just have a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you for bringing us into your house this evening, uh, this afternoon. Lord, we thank you that you are the powerful God. You are the creator of heaven and of earth. You were there in the beginning, and you will be there at the end of days. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are returning again soon. But in the meantime, you have left a deposit of your power in this place by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you, Father, that you have determined, Father, that your kingdom would be established in this world, Father. Your kingdom would be established in this land. Your kingdom would be established in this city through the proclamation of your word. And so, Father, we come to you and we ask for your power to be manifested in our lives. We ask, Father, that you would stir us, Father, that you'd stir our cold, hard hearts, Father, and that you would give us soft hearts that are passionate about the kingdom of God, that you would give us hearts that are passionate about the lost that don't yet know you, Lord. And, Lord, Father, that we would be people, Father, that stand and, and respond to the call, that we would respond to the call of Jesus Christ to, to shake this city for your glory, Lord. Lord, when the world tries to shake the church, Father, that in turn we would shake the world, Lord Jesus. And Lord, that we would see your glory manifested in the streets, Lord. That we would see people getting healed left, right, and center, Lord. That we would see people getting saved, Lord God. Lord, we ask, Father, stir something in our hearts, Lord. We don't want to let this nation go, Father. Just like you don't want to let this nation go. And so, Lord, we cry out, do something in our hearts today, Father, that will bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise offering. <clears throat> and uh, as you take your seats, as you take your seats, just turn to the person on your left and your right, tell them to strap in and get ready. <clears throat> I'm in a, in a mood for um, a mood for challenging us today concerning the Word of God. Uh, we're starting a new series, if you've got your Revival Times, uh, The Power of God into Salvation. It's just here in page three. And this is going to be a, a series that's built very much on the themes that Colin's been ministering on recently. Uh, the fact that we're heading towards a perfect storm as, uh, as a nation with regards to the church and the attacks on the church. And at the same time, God is pouring out his spiritual gifts. And so today we're going to be looking at that message, Can the Gospel Change Our City? But then on through the, through the coming weeks, that there's more than enough grace. God has enough grace for this city and that he's going to convince people by power. He's going to start to pour out his spirit in such a way that we see miracles, we see signs, we see wonders, and that he's going to start giving words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of revelation. That's in the, the words that change lives message, and then on into the power of the gospel. So it's going to be an exciting series. And the purpose is to stir you up to become a people that go out and preach the gospel to stir you up to do what Jesus is calling you to do. And I know that it's one of those messages that sometimes slaps us in the face and gives us a good reminder where we're at and where our priorities are at. And I want to challenge you to be open, to hear what the Lord is saying to you, to receive what the Lord is saying to you, and to do something about it. Don't just sit and listen to what I have to say and then leave the place. Well, that was a bit of a challenging word today. Let it be something that speaks to your heart and goes directly to your heart. Because in the run-up to Easter, I believe that God is interested in seeing souls saved. You know, there's a couple of guys sitting over to the right. I won't point them out personally. But they were talking to some friends just a few weeks ago, and the friend said, go to church. So at midnight on Saturday, they walked up. They found a sign out here outside the church that said the church service times. They came into the 2.30 service that week. They both got saved. One of them's baptized, spirit-filled already, and the other one's coming soon. In Jesus' name, amen. But God is about seeing people saved. Now, he did that miraculously, but he can do it through you. Those simple words, you need to go to church. That's the words that someone spoke to me. You need to go to church. 
It was enough for the Holy Spirit to work on. But imagine if you were preaching the gospel. Imagine if you were declaring the word of God. Imagine if you were speaking into people's hearts and into their lives. You would bring transformation through the opening of your mouth. And so we're going to be about seeing the, uh, these gifts of the Spirit demonstrated, about you being challenged, about you meeting with God. This is about a time of encounter to stir you up in where God is calling you to go. Now, Colin's message on the perfect storm, I'm sure, has challenged many of you, worried some of you, and uh, maybe caused some of you to go back to the drawing board about your faith. The series of messages that he preached, Living the Deeper Life, that's a message for you. You can't afford not to listen to those messages. They were preached at the 11 o'clock, um, just not these last two weeks, but the, the previous three weeks to that. You cannot afford not to go back and listen to those messages. They're free on the internet. Or if you exercise enough, you go and get the CDs and DVDs from Dan. He'll be selling them straight away. But there is a challenge to each one of us to find our security, our strength, our source in Jesus Christ. To make sure that our house is built on the rock and not built on the sand. Now, I first, firstly want to thank God so much for a senior minister like Colin Dye, because the messages that he preaches, while they are hard, while they are tough to hear to our flesh, they speak life to our spirit man. They speak life to who God is calling you to be. They challenge you to rise up in the life that God is purposing for you. And there's not really an option anymore. Some of you want to keep going on with the same old life that you were living before you got saved. There's no options anymore. There's time for you to make a decision, to throw in your lot with Jesus. To, you've seen enough of him. You've seen his power. You've seen him answer prayer. You've seen him do dynamic things in your life. It's time for you to throw your lot in with him. Amen? He can set you free from sin. He can set you free from the things that are holding you back. But the longer you keep one foot in the world, one foot in, what, in the kingdom of God, it's the more you're going to get pulled to the world. You need to make a decision. You need to have a, a heart transformation. Something needs to go on in here. That God would change the heart that you have to pursue him with everything that you are. Because we're in this house about building and breeding a serious type of disciple. Disciples who can change the world. Jesus had 12. 12 changed the world. But you see, they're changing the world because they're not of the world. You cannot change the world when you are of the world. You cannot change the world when you are living just like the person on your left and your right. You change the world when you recognize that God has taken you out of that world and placed you in his kingdom. And right now he's calling you to live according to his kingdom principles. So I want to test your foundation this afternoon. I want to challenge you this afternoon. We know that Jesus' words bring life, do they not? Do Jesus' words bring life? Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus should be your only foundation? Do you believe that Jesus is the one you should build your life on? Yes. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, verse 33. John 12, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Say much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, 
I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. John 12, verse 24 through to 28. Now I know in this place I'm talking to men. I'm not talking to chickens. I'm talking to women. I'm not talking to chickens. Okay? Now that word is a word directly from Jesus' mouth. Unless you forsake all, you cannot be my disciple. Some of you have got some dreams that you know are not from God. Some ambitions that you know are not from God. Some things that you want to do that you know are not from God, or even that you're doing right now. Maybe it's a relationship that you know that is not the one for you, and yet you're messing around with it. Maybe it's a job and you're dabbling in businesses that you know you should not be involved in, or you're getting involved in illegal practices, and you know that God is speaking to you on a regular basis. If you're protecting something, it is guaranteed it's going to get destroyed anyway. So why protect it? Why hold on to something that is going to get stripped away from you? See, God cares more about your eternal purpose and your eternal destiny than he does about whether it's nice that your dreams get taken away that aren't from him. He cares more about you accomplishing what he's given you to do than he does about whether you get mad at him and throw a little tantrum for a couple of months because he said break up with this girl or break up with that boy and leave that business. Okay. Now, because I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to have the right partner. God obviously plans and purposes that each one of you would have the right partner. He purposes that you would be involved in the right jobs and opening up the right avenues that he's calling you to be involved in. But some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're doing what you want to do. You're doing what you think is best for you instead of doing what Jesus thinks is best for you. You see, there's plenty of people sitting here who've made mistakes. And if they could speak to you, in your situation right now, do you know what they'd say? Obey God. Yeah, you want to be stubborn. You want to do your own thing. Let me challenge you to put aside that stubbornness. Let me challenge you to leave aside that rejection and hardness towards God. You need to soften your heart. If there's anything I can challenge you on today, it's you need to soften your heart. You need to soften your heart to the things of God. You need to listen to what God is talking to you about. You need to do what God is telling you to do. See, it's better to trust in the one who holds eternity in his hands than to trust in the things that are before you right now that you've put all of your hopes in and yet they aren't what he has given to you. If your heart is troubled, hearing those words, I cannot give everything. Don't worry. Jesus' heart was troubled as well. It says here, Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. Jesus himself, in the moment of desperation, is saying, do I say to God, because of my anguish, Jesus, take me out of this situation? Or do I say, Lord, your will be done? See, it's okay for you to be a little perturbed about the challenge of this word to you today. It's okay for you to be challenged But there's one option coming out of it. Lord, your will be done in my life. It's a heart issue. Is your heart soft towards God today? Is your heart hard towards God today? So as we turn to this message today, can the gospel change this nation? 
There's a verse that all of us know, Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Say it with me, everyone who believes. believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now this is one of those verses that our senior minister often preaches on. That in the middle of the darkest times, in the middle of the most difficult situations, the gospel of Jesus Christ is still the power of God unto salvation. God's word has not lost its power. The good news has not lost its power. The only thing that's wrong with the good news is we're not preaching it. The only thing missing is that we are not opening our mouths. It's a heart issue. Why are we not opening our mouths about the most important news that there is in the whole world? Why are we not opening our mouths about the most important issue of humanity? Who is going to forgive us our sin? Who is going to forgive us our wrongs? Who is going to cleanse us? Why are we not preaching that news? Is there a need for the gospel in this nation? It seems that you know that there is. See, there's the prostitute who's lived a life, maybe has had to prostitute themselves in order to put themselves through school and university, which is one of the things happening in this nation at the moment. Or maybe it's someone that's been broken by abuse and a lack of love in the family and is now just seeking to get by. Their self-esteem smashed, their sense of self-worth destroyed. Can the love of God restore them? What about the drug addict? The circumstances of life for some reason have left them in a place of dependency upon drugs. Can the gospel do anything for them? What about for their drug supplier? You seem a bit uncertain about that. Do they not need salvation just as much? Or consider the broken family. The parents who've lost love for one another, who cannot share love with their kids, and so their kids are going around all over the place trying to find love in all the wrong places. Can the gospel answer to that problem? What about the captain of industry, the man who is to, who's abusing people left, right, and center in order to make sure that his pockets are lined? Can the gospel of Jesus Christ reach him? What about the ordinary person sitting at home just needing to get saved? Can the gospel reach them? What about the lives of the unborn? What about those that have no voice and yet are being terminated on a regular basis in this nation? Can the gospel do anything for them? Can it? Can it really? See, the gospel can touch every single level of society. The gospel is called to penetrate every single level of society. Why? Because the gospel is a message of love and love is needed at every single level of society. Remember, if we're looking at this issue of the killing of babies, remember Jesus' birth in Herod. Herod had all of the babies under the age of two killed. Why? So that the chosen one would not come forth. Imagine a simple thought. What if the generation that is around right now, or is, that is being aborted right now, is a generation to see this, this nation saved for God? What if there's a purpose of the enemy to see those, uh, those lives cut short so that they cannot achieve their purposes? What are you going to do about it? What about the mother who's in that difficult situation, who's wondering what to do, has no friends, is isolated, is in a difficult situation? Do we have something for them? Do we have a message for them? 
What about the politician who's wondering how to lead a nation? Does he make policy based upon the power struggles and manipulations of different lobby groups? Or does he make decisions based upon the truth and wisdom of Scripture given by the Spirit of God? Does the gospel have something to say to every level of society? It does indeed. But most of all, it has the power to heal the human heart, to restore the human heart. If the gospel can heal the human heart, then it can accomplish anything. Because the human heart has been ravaged by sin. It has been destroyed by the thing which, which has kept us separated from God from the beginning in Adam and Eve. Yet he can heal a broken heart and give us a new heart. If the gospel can change a heart, the gospel can change a nation. Will your heart be changed today? Will your heart be changed today? Will you soften your heart? See, the work of the gospel works in two ways. All of those people that I've just read out to you, you could quite easily have a prejudice against every single one of them. You could quite easily look down upon the single mother, upon the drug addict, upon the prostitute. You could easily speak badly of the politicians or our church leaders or our, or our nation's leaders. You could easily speak badly about those people who are taking home big bonuses at a, at a time like this. You could easily do all of that, but the gospel changes your heart so that you can go and change their heart. How can you change their heart when you're sitting in offense towards them? How can you change their heart when you are speaking judgment upon them for the life that they've lived up until this point? What hope do they have if you have no hope for them? The gospel changes your heart so that you can change their hearts. And you can. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he who has given love to you than he that is in the world right now teaching the world to hate. God has put his love in your heart. He's got more than enough love. Don't need to keep that love to yourself. Oh, it's just for me, just so I feel safe and secure and I've made my way to heaven. He's got more than enough love to pour in your life so that you can pour it into the lives of those around you. See, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You see, what happens is this, God has faith that his word is going to accomplish that for which it is sent. He speaks his word into our life, which stirs up faith in us. And our faith connects with his faith, we receive his righteousness. Then it goes on to the next. We begin to see somebody as saved, begin to preach the gospel to them, begin to believe God for them, pray for them, the faith that God has placed in us, and we speak the words of life to them, awakens faith in them, and faith is connected, and they are able to connect father to son, father to daughter, between them and their creator in heaven. Faith awakens faith. There's a challenge to you to start to step out in faith. To start to do what God is calling you to do by faith. Jesus said something very powerful. He said this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Spirit of, uh, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. When Jesus said that, he was speaking out in faith about what God was giving him to do. And he began to align himself to the faith purposes of God in his life, to see the brokenhearted healed, to see captives set at liberty. Can you even see a captive being set at liberty? 
Can you even see the brokenhearted being mended? Open your eyes to see. Ask Jesus to show you what a healed, restored person looks like. The person right in front of you, the messed up junkie, the one who's so angry that you can't even speak to them without them losing their temper at you. That person, ask them to show you what they look like by the Spirit of God. Ask them to show you what they look like healed and restored and let your faith reach out and stir faith in that person to become the person that God is calling them to be. I hope you see that there's an urgency about the lost. I hope you get a feeling and a, a sense in your heart that there needs to be passion from you. There needs to be a change of heart from you. Because God is interested in bringing the lost. You know this perfect storm message that Colin has been speaking about? You need to go and listen to it. It's a challenge that the church is... Um, being assailed on all sides by those who have different agendas, more liberal agendas. There's a general attack on the church. Everywhere you look, you see that Christians are being castigated in the newspapers, and yet there isn't the same response for other religions. Why is it that Christianity is being singled out? All of these questions I'm sure you're asking right now, and it might cause you to ask a, a real fundamental question. Has God turned his back on London? Has he turned his back on London? Has he turned his back on this nation? No, not at all. See, we've got to remember the nature of our God. We've got to remember the heart of our God. Most people out there think God is an angry God running around ready to just destroy them because they're living in sin. Is that the kind of God that we worship? No. We know that we serve a very different God. In Jonah 1, verse 1 to 3, Now the word of God came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. Nineveh was a, a city that was living in sin, much like London today. That great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You see, Jonah made a specific decision to leave the presence of God. And the presence of God was directing him towards a nation or a city which needed the gospel. And we all know Jonah's story. He gets in a boat. He goes to sleep in the boat. The boat gets tossed around in the storm. They end up chucking him overboard, and he ends up getting eaten by a whale, and three days in the belly of a whale, da 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 spits back out on the beach. Then, after three days in that dodgy whale's stomach juices, he comes to his senses, and he realizes, I've got to go do what God calls me to do. He goes to Nineveh. He proclaims the gospel. I'm telling you this story for a reason, because it reveals the nature of our God. And he preaches, and Nineveh repents in sackcloth and ashes. And this is Jonah's response. And so he prayed to the Lord and said, Our Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I previously fled to Tarshish. For I know, listen to this, For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. How ridiculous is that? The Jonah was sent to set a, nation, a city free from sin, and when God does it, he complains. God, how could you do this? I knew that you were going to forgive him. I knew that you were good. I knew that you would turn back from evil. I knew that you would be loving kind, lovingly kind towards them. He's speaking out and calling out the character of God. 
Our God is not interested in judgment upon the nation. He's interested in winning the nation to himself. <coughs> he might be interested in judging sin. I'd be interested in judging sin if I were God because it is keeping people from him. But he is calling the nation to himself. And he's doing it by calling the church, speaking to the church, challenging the church. And one of the prophetic words to the church this year is this, I'm going to pour out spiritual gifts. Have any of you heard that word from Colin that God is seeking to pour out spiritual gifts? How many of you have asked for one since then? Good. The rest of you need to start asking for them. If God is going to give, ask. It's like you know, a, a sale going on in Harrods or something, and they're saying, we're going to give away everything. And you don't go by and say, can I have what I want? You wait for them to deliver it to you for some reason. Like they, why would they pick you? You've got to go and ask. You've got to go and get. You've got to go and receive from God what he is giving to us. Why? Because a demonstration of the power of God is designed to wrestle the UK from its slumber. A demonstration of the power of God is designed to awaken this nation to who God is. God wants us to know the truth. You see, whenever they preached the gospel in Acts, he backed up the gospel with signs and wonders so that the people would know that it was true. He wants the people to know that his word is true above every other word. Above every other word that is being proclaimed right now. He wants them to know through a demonstration of power that he is interested. Therefore, church, we need to rise up in the spiritual gifts. We need to become strong in the spiritual gifts. We need to become strong in living supernaturally. In Acts 19, we see the, the story of Paul. Paul in the Ephesian revival. Now, Paul came to Ephesus and he found a group of 12 guys. He found that they weren't spirit-filled, they weren't baptized. So he baptized them, he got them spirit-filled, 12 people. Then he preached the gospel for two years. And in those two years, the entire region heard the word of God. The entire region heard the word of God. And in that place, the unusual miracles happened. In that place, that God started to cause the napkins that were taken from the body of Paul to heal people all around. And it caused a revival in that area. We're just pressing in for normal miracles. You know, normal miracles like the eyes of blind people being opened. Normal miracles like the deaf ears being opened. Normal. Normal. If they're not normal to you, then they need to become normal, and to me, and to all of us, because that's the baseline. That's the baseline in the Christian faith. Open the blind eyes, open the deaf ears, that's baseline. That's not even raising the dead yet. <laughs> what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is this message that can change this nation? It is this, Jesus lived Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus rose again. Because the rising again makes sense of everything that went before. Jesus rising again means that he can bring us into eternal life. Jesus rising again means that he truly did die and forgive us of our sin. Jesus rising again truly means that he is the Son of God. 
Jesus rising again separates him from everybody else. Every other prophet, every other proclaimed religionist, Jesus Christ is vastly separated because he is the only one to still be alive. Now, still alive. Now, still alive. Now, still alive. Not disappeared and dead again. Seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. It's an uncompromising message. But it's a message you need to receive with your heart. It's a message that you need to receive with a heart that was resistant to God. Soften your heart towards God. You might have an excuse, oh yeah, it was Paul preaching the gospel. It was Paul preaching the gospel. No, it was Paul preaching the gospel. That's what made the difference. It wasn't, it was Paul the most anointed apostle ever to walk the earth. Jesus was the most anointed apostle to ever walk the earth, by the way. But it was the fact that Paul was preaching the gospel as a son of God. He knew who he was. He knew who God had made him. He preached the gospel. If he knew the power of the words that came out of his mouth to save, to set free, to heal, and to deliver, can we not learn to use the word of God with the same authority? with the same power, with the same assurance that it is going to bring transformation. We're believing God. We're pressing in. God is challenging us. And will you respond to the challenge? Will you respond? Will you align to that power that God poured out on the earth? You see, when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, he took of the Holy Spirit and he poured out the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. He did something incredibly dangerous. He released God on the earth. He released God to work in your life, to work in my life, to work in this society. He released God to reform the very way that we live and govern in this planet. See, the gospel is a message of the kingdom of God. It's a message of how we can live God's way. The gospel is completely irrelevant to modern life. Completely irrelevant. Because the gospel is not intended to be a sin management strategy. That's what a lot of people want it to be. Can we not amend the Bible? Can we not just change it a little bit so that it's okay to live with your partner before you get married? Can we not just change it a little bit so that it's okay to kill babies after they're born? How many of you read that article that apparently, according to Oxford ethicists, it is morally equivalent to kill a baby after it's born just as much as it is to kill it before it is born? Can you believe that they are making cases like that these days? What kind of a world do we live in? This gospel is not intended to teach us how to manage our sin. The gospel is intended to eradicate sin. It's intended to bring you into a different way of life. Amen? So this is not about adjusting God to fit with us. It's giving us entirely new life before God. Calling us to live as he would have each one of us live. So what is preaching the gospel? Preaching the gospel is proclaiming Jesus as son of God and as resurrected. Preaching the gospel is not, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sundays. 
it's great to start to speak that stuff out. But you're not even getting close to preaching the gospel. You're being bold. You're standing up for your faith. Awesome. But the gospel is uncompromising. Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus raised from the dead. Now, some of you might panic. You might think, oh, well, you know, Gabriel, I don't know the word of God. Like, you know the word of God, so how am I going to preach to somebody? Listen, let me encourage you for just a minute. God has given you the Bible as a tool to use. So if he's given you the Bible as a tool to use, then you're the master of the tool. He's put the spirit in you, the spirit which causes you to interpret scripture correctly. So you are the master of that tool. Some of you are too scared to open the Bible because you know that it's going to speak to your current situation and tell you that what you're doing is wrong. So you put it on the shelf, let it get dusty. You know what I'm saying? But this is a tool for you to start to use. See, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for exhortation, for rebuking, for challenging. It is all useful for the purpose of instituting the kingdom of God. This is a tool for you. Open it. Use it. Become accustomed to it. Learn to preach from this Bible. God doesn't want you to be scared of it. This is life in here. Oh, Gabriel, I've heard what you said. You know, the, the scripture, maybe I can go do some lessons. I can ask, you know, I can spend more time reading my Bible. Maybe some of you need to just start with a chapter a day. Read your Bible and then start to see how God teaches you. But then others of you are thinking, oh, the storm, the storm, the storm's going to hit the church and you get scared and intimidated in submission. It's understandable. It happens to a lot of people. People want to batten down the hatches. You know, I'm not going to talk about my faith at work anymore because they've disciplined me before for opening my mouth about Jesus. Or I don't know that God is going to come through my situation financially, so I'm going to go visit a loan shark and take out a loan from them and end up in a difficult financial situation. I don't want to trust God in that situation. When the storm is looming large, you know, I want to protect my family. I want to make sure that my house is looked after. I don't want to lose the ship of my life. There's no need for you to be afraid. You see... All you need is a change of perspective. When the big boat can get shipwrecked, become a surfer. When the big boat that contains all of your life could get destroyed and capsized and turned over, just leave the boat at home, pick up your surfboard, go running out to the sea. See, because... The board is fit for purpose. There are big waves coming in. There are big waves that you can ride. You see, there's a big storm coming, but if there's a big storm coming, then there's the power of God to squash that storm. Why not get out on your board and ride that wave? Get creative. You see, when the church is in the news the most, ride that wave and become the message of hope. When people are discussing and it's at the forefront of their mind, what do we do in this current situation? Ride the wave with the answers that come straight out of the book of life. Confine them with the power of the word and with the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get on your surfboard. See, there's no waves for the surfer when the storm has died down. That's the time to go sailing. That's the time to go chill out and enjoy the sun. But in this season, do what needs to be done. No battening down the hatches. No hiding away in corners. 
out front like a crazy Christian, like the crazy Christian that you are, riding those waves. God, give me wisdom in this situation because I'm going to speak boldly about your word. Give me wisdom in this situation because I am not going to back down. See, one of the great things is if they start to try to persecute you, and this time, get on the front page of the newspaper. Stand up for Jesus. Why not? See, because there's always going to come an end to the storm. The disciples, when they were in the middle of the lake, in the middle of this awesome storm that was surrounding them on every side, they didn't know what to do, but they forgot that they started without a storm and they were going to get to the other side where there was no storm. Don't let the storm distract you from who you are in Christ. Don't let the storm distract you from where Jesus is calling you to go. See, don't, what happens if the storm dies down and you've abandoned your faith is you have to go back and start all over again and rebuild your faith back up and then go through another storm. But this time, hopefully, you don't abandon your faith. Why not instead cling to Jesus? Why not instead do what he calls you to do? Why not instead stick it out, be bold for him, live for him, see him glorified in your life? You see, one of the great things that challenges me and encourages me is that God can do the impossible all the time. You know, just to look around with my cell, the 300 encourages me. I know that I talk about them a lot, but I'm proud of them. Why? Because if you go to any church... The age range of men between 18 and 30, missing. Lost generation. And yet here in the house, we've got 70, 80 men of God on fire for Jesus, worshipping God. If God can do that in the middle of this situation in this nation at this time, then he can do anything. You know what I'm saying? But what is it he calls us to go out with? He calls us to go with the gospel of love. This is the core. This is the point. The resurrection of Jesus Christ happens because the Father so loved the Son. Jesus dying for us happens because he so loves us. We can love God because he first loves us. We can love God because he's first shown us how much we are worth to him and therefore enables us to love the people around us. It's time to open up your passion for the gospel. It's time to participate in the cell vision here at the, in the house. Oh, you know, Gabriel, I've been coming to KT. If you've been coming to KT for more than two years and you've not grown in your faith, you need to get in a cell. Stop messing around. I'm serious. Inside seven years, you can be transformed in this house. I've been here seven years, seven years a Christian. Okay? If you've been here more than two years and you've not grown in your faith, you need to grow in your faith. And I guarantee you within a year, you'll be transformed. Guarantee you. You need to get involved. You need to get acquainted with your Bible. And you need to preach the word of God. In Romans 10 verse 8 it says, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is where you need to start listening. How then shall they call on him in, in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. I want to challenge you, church. 
right at the start of this series, right at the start of when we're asking God to do something in us, through us, will you be someone who softens your heart before God and align your, your heart and life to his purposes? Will you be one of these people that gets sent out to preach? Will you go? Will you respond to the call of God? You see, I can preach in here and I'll go preach on the street anytime that I needed to. Anytime. I'll preach to anybody that has, a, has an, even on Facebook, I'll preach to people. Right? But I'm not enough. We need all of you. We need all of you. So I want us to do something just special before the Lord this, eve- this afternoon. Band is John are coming back. I want those of you who felt the call and burn of God in your heart to get off your backside and to do something for him. If you've been feeling that, if you've been responding to that, if God has been doing something in your heart, I want you out here at the front to just spend your time with the Lord and commit your life to him. I don't need to lay it on any thicker than that. You've heard the word. You need to start doing something for Jesus. Get out here at the front. Got some guys who are going to come out and pray for you. But we need to start giving our lives to Jesus afresh. And get serious with that verse that I read right at the start. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Let's stand together. If you want to respond, come out to the front. We're just going to sing one song. Then we're going to pray. Got it? Let's just lift our hands before the Lord. Just ask the Lord to soften your heart, to change your heart, to minister to your heart, to give you a passion for his name, to give you a passion for his glory. Too many people stay standing and sitting in your seats. Haven't heard what I've said. Father, do something in our hearts today. Stir something in our hearts today. Lord, by your spirit, Lord, soften our hearts, Lord. We want to be out there doing the work that you call us to do, Father. We want to be out there proclaiming the gospel, the gospel of love of Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for us, the one who so loved us that he laid down his life on our behalf. Lord, stir something in us, Lord God, that we would see your glory in this nation, Lord. In Jesus' name.